Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I am your host, Doug Sweeney. I am here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla. And today we have with us our alumnus of the year. He's a very humble man who doesn't like it when we make him sound special, but he is pretty special, as many in our larger Beeson family will attest, and we are excited to speak with him today. Before Kristen introduces him, let me tell you that this is the first day of our fall term and academic year, at least if you're listening on the day we drop this episode onto the internet. I will be preaching in chapel today during our opening convocation service, introducing the theme of our fall chapel series on the life of King David from 1st and 2nd Samuel. From the earliest days of the Christian church, David, son of Jesse, a shepherd boy turned warrior, turned Israel's greatest king, has been hailed as one of the most important forerunners and types of Christ in Old Testament history. He is a linchpin of God's cosmic history of redemption. But why is this the case? And who was this man? What would the Lord have us learn from him today? We'll explore these questions in chapel this fall by working through selections from 1st and 2nd Samuel. We hope you'll join us and worship with us in person or even online at beesondivinity.com live on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. in Hodges Chapel. All right, Kristen, would you please tell our listeners just a little bit about our alumnus of the year? Thanks, Doug. Uh, today's guest is Bob Hutto. He is a Beeson alumnus, the minister of Oak Mountain Church of Christ in Pelham, and is this year's alumnus of the year award winner. We are so glad to have you on the show today, Bob. Welcome to the Beeson podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's really an honor for me to be chosen alumnus of the year, very much unexpected. Mm. I feel like there are others probably more accomplished, maybe more deserving of the award. Uh, I'm, I'm mindful of something that happened while I was a student here one semester the professors were asked to speak in chapel and tell a little bit about themselves, you know, about where they were born and raised and their their family, their educational experience and so forth. And I uh, remember, and they did that. And I remember Dr. Bray, when he, uh, when it was his turn, he, um, if I remember it correctly, he could correct me if I, if I don't, but, uh, you know, about the first thing he said was, you know, we've been asked to tell a little bit about ourselves, but I've thought, why would I talk about myself when I can talk about Christ? Mm. And I, that that impressed me, you know, that stuck yes. with me. And I, I've thought about that as today was, you know, was, we were working for, toward today. Mm-hmm. And I knew some questions were going to be asked about me and my, and my background. And I thought, well, why, why would I want to talk about myself when there are there are others, especially Christ, mm-hmm. that we can talk about. Amen. But I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to answer your questions and talk to you a little bit. Yeah. That's fine. Well, thank yeah. you so much. We just finished a series on the Bisa Magazine. And your episode today is an actual nice segue um, because you were featured in the Bisa Magazine. And mm-hmm. so I hope our listeners by now have gone online um, and have read the story about you. 
Um, but for those who have not done that yet, I wonder if you can begin by giving a, a little bit more background about yourself, where you're from, and your sure. faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, sure. I was raised by godly parents, uh, two strong Christians, two uh, man and woman, husband and wife, strong faith, my, my mom and dad. My dad was a preacher. So he was from this area, the Birmingham area, as was my mother. And uh, but but he we moved around like preachers' families sometimes do. Uh, we lived in this area, son. We lived in Florida and Central Illinois, North Alabama. But I was raised in that environment. Um, godly people uh, influencing their children in in a Christ-like way. Not only did we hear them teach us what it what it meant to be a Christian, but we saw it in their life. I say we. I mean, I have three sisters. And we, we, saw, we saw it in their life. And so we, we grew up in that environment. Uh, we had uh, friends at school, we went to public school, had friends, but, but really the local church was the center of our life. And so we all reached that point where we began to realize, well, I'm responsible for my actions. I'm accountable for what I do. I'm accountable before God for what I do, what I say. And you become aware of the sin that's in your life. And so I'd already been taught, you know, when that time comes, here's what you need to do. And so uh, that's, that's what I did. You know, I, I um, uh, put my faith in Christ as my Savior, as, uh, as, our, as my Lord, and uh, turned, turned away from sin, was baptized into Christ, and um, began my life as a disciple. So that's, that's how, it's not, it's not a dramatic story. Uh, but, um, you know, still, I feel like, you know, my faith and my commitment is as strong as if it were a dramatic story, you know. Mm -hmm. So I uh, just, uh, I think that's a, an important message and a, a message that some people, it would help them to hear. You, you grew up in a godly home. You were prepared to become a Christian when, when the time came. That's a good thing. Now you can spend your life in service to the Lord. Not that I always did that perfectly, of course, and uh, fell short in many ways, but um, that's that's how I became a Christian. Bob, Kristen mentioned when she was introducing you that you preach in the Church of Christ uh, in Pelham, just outside of Birmingham here. And of course, we've had several Church of Christ students at Beeson over the years. You're not the only one. Right. But the Church of Christ student population hasn't been as large as some of the other student populations, as the Baptist student population, for right. example. Uh, and probably some of our listeners need a little education on the Churches of Christ. Would you tell us just a little bit about the Churches of Christ and okay. how it was you sensed a call to become a preacher in the Churches of Christ? All right. So Churches of Christ, uh, we... I think of the church at Pelham, the Church of Christ at Pelham, as, as an, an independent, really non-denominational congregation. Uh, and, and so uh, there's not a denominational tie between the congregations. Um, we have some similarities in what we teach, although there's a wide range of things that are taught among churches that refer to themselves in that way. And, and there's no denominational organization that, that governs the churches. So, so uh, we're committed to certain things, although, you know, that's all, uh, those things are always a matter of discussion. I think what I would do is maybe 
draw upon our uh, church history uh, learning. I think about the, the Reformation period where you have, have Luther, and you know he's involved in, in reforming the church and so forth. And, and you have Zwingli. And so they're contemporaries. They don't see everything the same way. They, they have str- some similarities and some agreement, but some pretty strong disagreements. For, and this is, in fact, I see a theology of the reformer sitting on the table over there. And um, I <laughs> remember reading that. wrote that book. Yeah, yeah he was, <laughs> Dr. George was the dean while I was here. But I remember reading that book and coming across the idea that for, for Luther in the practice of the church, whatever was not forbidden would be allowed. But for Zwingli, it was only what is, you might say, authorized or sanctioned by Scripture should be allowed. And so that's a, that's a different approach. We would be more like Zwingli. Mm-hmm. So as a result of that, Zwingli takes the instrument out of the church, takes the icons down. It's just a, a, a plain building, takes uh, the religious symbols down because, he, because of his approach to Scripture and how to apply Scripture. I've, I've thought that maybe Zwingli, if he walked into our building, he would think, yeah, I'm, I'm right at home here. Mm-hmm. We, we don't use an instrument when we sing. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of religious symbols or icons around and things like that. And it, it goes back to that approach to Scripture. We're going to do only what we find sanctioned or, or, or authorized there for the, for the church. And so there are some, some differences. We try to simply call ourselves Christians. We're simply Christians. We're trying to reproduce what we find in in Scripture. Another maybe a unique feature or what people are not accustomed to, we, we observe the Lord's Supper weekly, every week. And so if someone were to come into our worship, uh, it would be a little different maybe than they're used to. It's congregational singing. It's a cappella singing. Uh, it's uh, the Lord's Supper on Sunday, every Sunday. Uh, there'll be a, a sermon uh, and I would I'd usually be the preacher, though we have others that, that, that preach from time to time as well. And so that's our that's kind of our approach. I don't know if that's helpful or confusing oh, or no, what. That's very helpful. Okay. Uh, and your dad, you mentioned, was a preacher. Was right. he a Church of Christ preacher? Right. He preached for Churches of Christ in Birmingham area and Gainesville. We lived in Florida for a while, central Illinois, and then, and then kind of back to Alabama. So we're... Cherry, my wife and I are, we're kind of at home here in the Birmingham area. That was, uh, for both of us, kind of uh, home base. Yeah. So that helps us a little bit understand why you're in a Church of Christ. But how did you sense that the Lord was leading you into preaching ministry? Okay. Well, I grew up in that in that environment. My dad was a preacher, and, uh, and so I, I kind of grew up in that environment and uh, just— uh, watching him and learning from him. When I was growing up, people would ask me, you going to be a preacher like your daddy? And I would always say, no. Uh, yeah, I did. No, no, that, that's not for me. But um, like I said, I became a Christian in, in my youth, but, you know, didn't always live it the way I should have and uh, wasn't very diligent in very many things at all. Wasn't a very good student, you know, had that solid 2.5 grade <laughs> average in high school, you know. But, and really uh, not diligent in spiritual matters either, really, to tell the truth. But as you mature, you begin to look at the way the Lord has blessed you. I came under the influence of some, some people who in, encouraged me. And um, you begin to think about, if, if the Lord has given me these abilities, what am I responsible to do with them? And so 
in the article, I talk about an awakening. And so it's kind of like you have that voice saying, okay, Bob, time to wake up. (laughs) Time to wake up. It's time to get serious about what you're doing with yourself. I kind of look back at my life and think, okay, this is, this is where I've been led. I grew up under these circumstances. My dad was a preacher. The local church was really the central part of our life. I look at my experiences and the people that have influenced me, and I kind of think, okay, this is, this is where you're meant to be. You know, it, it reminds me of the episode in Esther's life where, you know, Mordecai says, you know, who knows? It may be that God has put you in, in this place for this purpose at this time. Yeah. So I think about that. And uh, so that's, that's sort of how all that worked with me. You describe yourself as a gospel preacher, and we've already heard your emphasis on preaching and how important of a ministry that is to you. Um, our benefactor, uh, Beeson, was uh, known mm-hmm. for saying that he wanted us to prepare pastors who could preach. Right. So, I heard that many times. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I wonder if you can talk about how God led you to Beeson and how Beeson actually prepared you okay. for a preaching ministry? Well, it's it's an interesting story, I think. Um, I had taken uh, a course in New Testament Greek in my undergraduate work. I, I didn't really do very well. I mean, <laughs> I did okay, but I didn't excel by any means. And I didn't really use it very much once I, I got out. But I, I wanted to strengthen that. So there was a sort of a, a mentor of mine who's an older gospel preacher, older preacher, and he was a very good Greek student. So he and I and a couple other guys, we got together and just went through Machen's grammar. Um, And we went all the way through the grammar in sort of an informal setting, just the three of us. And um, he kind of got to the point where he said, you know, I I think I've kind of taken you as far as I can go. And so I came over here to to Samford. I was really just looking to take a Greek class, kind of to, yeah. to build those skills. And and I, I happened to walk into Reed Chapel, and Dr. Batson was there. This would have been 1990. And uh, the, the Divinity School was meeting over there in Reed Chapel before they moved over here to this building. And uh, Dr. Batson said, well, exactly what is it that you're looking for? You know, are you looking for just a class? Are you interested in our master's program? Or and, and so we got to talking about that a little bit, and I really wasn't familiar with the master's program. And he sort of told me about it and said, you know, you, you, if you're interested, you may want to do this. I think they were looking for students at the, at the time, you know. So, And so I was very excited about that, and um, I enrolled, and um, it was a wonderful experience for me. I could not have asked for a better, a better experience. And just the opportunity to sit at the feet of of these men and and learn from them and just be associated with them in that way, it was, I hated to see it end. I I enjoyed the beginning of the semester more than the end of the semester (laughs) because the beginning was kind of exciting for me. What what are we going to learn? You know, what what ideas am I going to be exposed to? And so... That's how, that's kind of how I ended up here. It was, I, I almost feel like my comments are so positive, people aren't going to believe them. <laughs> but I really don't have a, a negative thing to say about it 
at all. It was just a great experience. Mm. I've told, as I've kind of bumped into the professors, Dr. Matthews or Dr. Thielman, Dr. Bray, maybe others, I use something that I learned here every day. I took language classes. It might be, you know, I'm, I'm working on a sermon. I'm using my language skills that I learned here. Or I might read a commentary that I would not have picked up if it were not for my experience here. Mm -hmm. Or I might read a book that I, I, would, I would not have, I just wouldn't have read or wouldn't have been familiar with if it were not for my experience here. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's affected me in a positive way a great deal. So that's, that's kind of the way I look at it. I tell, I tell people, yeah, I, I use something just about every day mm -hmm. that, that I learned here, some skill or, um, you know, something I learned one way or another. That's wonderful. Another thing that I love about your story is that you have served your congregation for more than 30 years. I think that's a marvelous testimony, the faithfulness to the people. I try to keep that quiet, okay? I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's out now. Your secret's out. And, you know, you remind me, um, uh, maybe you don't want to remind me of the Puritans, but you, you do a little bit because um, the Puritans, like our brothers and sisters in the Churches of Christ, practice the regulative principle, for example. Uh, if you don't find things in Scripture, you're not going to find them in our churches either. Uh, and the Puritans placed a very strong emphasis on the bond between the preacher and the congregation. And they had this sense that unless something bad happens, the preacher's probably <laughs> going to be with this group of people for the rest of his life. Now, this isn't me committing you <laughs> to being with your people for the rest of your life. It's just to say uh, I've always admired that in them, and I really admire it in you. And I wonder... Um, has that been intentional on your no, part? No. How is it that you've been the preacher there for so long? Well, I have a good wife. That's that's the first thing that I would say. You know, they, they would have shown me the door long ago, but they, they knew that Cherry and I have an agreement. If I go, she goes. Hmm. And they want to keep her, so they tolerate me. That's, <laughs> that's, the way I, that's, my, that's my first uh, point that I try to make. But it's just, you know, we, we've had a great relationship with the congregation there. Uh, every church is, is independent, kind of makes up their own mind about who the preacher will be, how long he will stay, and those kinds of things. Uh, when I was growing up, like I said, my dad was a preacher. My, my wife's my dad was a preacher, my father-in-law. Mm. They moved around a lot. We moved about probably every four years. Mm. So when I was talking with the church there at Oak Mountain years ago, I said, you know, if, if it works out, we, we'd like to kind of stay a little bit longer than we're used to staying. <laughs> and I thought maybe 10 years, you know, that, that kind of would be the outer, outer limit, you know, yeah. but 10 years goes by like that, you know, it, it, especially when your children are growing up and you're involved in their activities and it gets by so fast before, you know, it's, it's 15 years. I, I, another, so time gets away fast. I, you know, I made that statement about my wife, but it is a team effort, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, when you're working with the church, it's it's husband and wife working together with the church. It, you really could not. I said it in a joking way, you know. If, um, but but if it were not for her, I, I couldn't do what I do. Hmm. And so it it is a team effort, and we've had a good relationship with the people, uh, and you know, from time to time. Things, things would come up, 
And you might think, well, you know, maybe it's it's time to move on. Um, but then I would think, move on, move on to what? Well, a, another congregation with people problems. Mm-hmm. You know, one one reason I'm here is to help work through the people problems. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't you don't leave because there's a problem. Now, sometimes it's you can't get over it, but 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 you try to work through those problems, and you have great people in the congregation that work with you and support you and you support them and it's a mutual effort. And, mm-hmm. and so it's just been a good combination of things. The Lord has blessed us. It's the way we feel. They've, they've let us stay there longer than, than I deserve. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just been a wonderful experience. Well, on that note about perseverance and ministry, we've had a lot of conversations over the past two years uh, about perseverance, uh, really in part because of COVID-19. So what could you say to those listening who are maybe at the beginning of their ministry uh, career, so to speak, or who have um, been really worn down by the pandemic? Uh, What are some lessons in perseverance over your 30-year ministry that would be helpful to those listening? Well, that's that's a good question. I I gave some thought to that, and I thought just keep going. Um, think things are difficult. That's okay. Think there will always be challenges, but just take it, you know, a, a week at a time. Prepare yourself uh, for this week's challenges, and do the best you can with them. But but just. You've made a commitment. Just keep on with that commitment, and just mm. you know, just keep working at it, mm. and and you'll get there. Mm-hmm. You'll get there. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but I think it is helpful. I think that's a message a lot of us need, mm. and I think maybe especially uh, younger folks coming up need that kind of encouragement. It's not going to be easy all the time, right? And when it gets tough, sometimes it won't feel great, but the Lord right. wants you to stick at it, right? Yeah, right. Bob, I still remember, I have this uh, vivid memory of the time when I called you on the phone <laughs> to let you know that the, the faculty and the alumni leadership had, um, had voted that you ought to be the alumnus of the year. And I called to let you know that and asked if you would accept. And I remember, I, I hadn't had a phone call like that before because you were hesitant to yeah. accept. You are a humble guy and you don't think very highly of yourself. And your instinct was to say, uh, no, there got to be people who deserve right. this more than I do. So there's another thing I admire about you, but I talked you into it. <laughs> and you, you decided eventually to accept the award because you wanted an opportunity to encourage other younger ministers, preachers, right. to devote themselves to the ministry of the word, as right. you said. And I think that's wonderful. And I kind of want to tee you up to <laughs> recommend faithfulness, stick to with respect to the ministry of the word to our audience. So I, I graded for Dr. Matthews um, for several semesters. And we would sit in his office and, and talk, and we would talk about the assignment or the, the, the test that had just been give, given. But sometimes we'd just, just talk. And I remember him saying one time, you know, the call, the call to preach is a call to study. And I've thought about that. that you know, that kind of stuck with me. That's sort of, I guess, the undergirding of the ministry of the word. Mm-hmm. S- you, you 
study the word, um, learn, you know, learn the word, teach the word, preach the word. And uh, the word is what people need, mm. you know. And uh, I learned that from Dr. Wells as well, preaching class. Mm. Uh, he emphasized ex- expository preaching. You know, the, pre- the word is what people need. Mm. You might look at your congregation and think, well, you know, here, I think this, this, this is needed or that, that's needed. Okay, find the word, you know, the, a passage that, that addresses that need and then, and then teach it. And so that ministry of the word, teaching the word, uh, the call to study, uh, I, I've told younger preachers. Remember telling one younger preacher, you know, when you, when you're studying uh, for for a sermon, you really you're studying for yourself, and you take what you learn and you teach it to others. And he came back later and said, you know, I don't really know what you meant by that, but now I think I do now. So, sometimes people are more receptive than <laughs> at other times, mm-hmm. but. You're, you're growing and developing yourself in your faith, in your understanding, in your experience, and you draw from that as you devote yourself to the ministry of the Word. You, de- you draw from that and you share with the people uh, what, what they need. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's what we, uh, I was reminded earlier, you know, my, my prayer is on Sunday mornings as I'm now, I don't start on preparing on Sunday mornings, but you know, as I'm preparing. You keep praying. <laughs> my prayer is, God, help me to say what you want me to say in the way you want me to say it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that might just be another aspect of that ministry of the Word. What do you want me to say from your Word? Mm-hmm. And you help me say it the way you want me to say it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's my prayer. Yeah. Well, alumni who are listening right now to this episode, we invite you to our alumni conference November 7th through 8th. And uh, during our alumni conference banquet, uh, our friend, our brother, Bob Hutto, will um, receive his award, and we hope that you will be there for that um, event. Uh, I know you've shared a lot of wisdom and have encouraged us so much already. But is there anything else that the Lord has been saying to you in your private study or as you have been preparing to preach uh, that you think, you know, this would be an encouraging word to end on for our listeners? Well, you, you don't always see the fruit of your labor immediately. As as a teacher, for example, I had, I had a teacher tell me one time, you know, it's when those students come back after several years and they say, you, you help me, mm-hmm. or I, I, re- I remember what you taught me. It's, you don't always see the fruit of your labor immediately. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you have to sow and be patient and uh, just, you know, your work in the Lord's not in vain. And you, you just keep, keep at it and you'll see that, maybe you'll see that reward later, but just if, if you make a commitment, stick with it. Work through those difficult times. There, there'll, there'll, they will, there will be difficult times. Be devoted to the word. Preach, preach what you find there to the people, and um, the fruit will come. Amen. Listeners, this has been Bob Hutto, our friend, uh, preacher at Oak Mountain Church of Christ in Pelham, Alabama, for more than 30 years. We're proud to say he's an alumnus of Beeson Divinity School. 
Uh, Kristen and I are proud to say, he's not a very proud man, but we're proud to say he's the alumnus of the year uh, for Beeson Divinity School. We are grateful to him for being with us today. Thank you very much, Bob. Well, thank you for having me. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Uh, as ever, we love you, we're praying for you, and we say goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Thank you.